Welcome to episode 169 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss emotions boiling over in the NRL. The Broncos accused of crocodile tears, a historic broadcast partnership for the 2021 Rugby League World Cup and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 169 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week? Oh, Dr. T, I am feeling joyful, then uh, okay, and uh, then excited. Uh, then uh, a bit frustrated, then a bit shocked, uh, then I felt like crying, and then um, then I got angry, like rage, and then uh, then I swore at some referees, and uh, finally I was content with what's always happened. So that's that's been my week. How about yours? Wow, that sounds like a roller coaster of emotions. So uh, now we know what it's like to be a West Tigers fan, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That happened in five minutes of an NRL game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that was just uh, that was just during uh, during the break between full time and uh, Golden Point extra time. Obviously, um, look, uh, yeah, look, that's a yeah. lot of words there, a lot of emotions. Uh, I've just got to. I'm fine <laughs> and dandy. Usually, I'm just fine. Uh, fine and dandy. Very rarely am I dandy. So today, I'm fine and dandy. So it's a uh, it's a very rare occasion oh, wow. when that happens. So I have no reason why. I don't know why. It's just uh, or I could be because the Eels are top of the table yet again. Fantastic, good to see, and Western Sydney representing with the Panthers up there as well, yep. the top of the NRL ladder, uh, unchallenged at the moment for supremacy. But uh, you know the Eels yeah, are doing wow. well. Very very proud of them. Um, you know. Uh, 14 points already, eight wins, sorry, seven wins, uh, one loss. And uh, look, their for and against is uh, up there with the best, almost as good as the Roosters who are, you know, with a couple of floggings there, miles jumped to yeah, miles in front. But <laughs> but they've been pegged back a little <laughs> bit because uh, they, they lost the game on the weekend. So, you know, yeah. where it counts, which is on the scoreboard, uh, they are – on top, so yeah, like I said, fine and dandy, and and look, the thing is, they're doing it as well. I'm very proud of them because they're doing it without, uh, you know, Mitchell Moses, uh, and they've got to adapt, and they're adapting quite well. I mean, given the circumstances, mm. and they're going to have a tough time coming up ahead anyway. But they're doing what needs to be done. They're getting out in front of the pack and leading the way, and uh, putting a big old target on their back. So everyone's going to come come at them, and they have to. Uh, Weather the storm, shall I say, which is going <laughs> to happen sometime soon. But, yeah, 
But yeah, yeah. all good. And uh, you also brought up Western Sydney. Not only are they produced the number one team, but they've also produced the last team as well, the Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> Also yeah. part of Western Sydney. <laughs> Very proud of the Bulldogs there, of course. <laughs> well, well, if you look at it, another way to look at it, Tish, is that there, as we know, there are four teams in Western Sydney, Eels, Panthers, Tigers and the Bulldogs, and three of them are in the top eight at the moment as we speak. So that is not to be sniffed at. And it's very rarely an occasion mm. where you get, uh, you know, all four of those Western Sydney teams up there anyway. Usually especially the Eels and the the Bulldogs, usually find that when one team is up, the other one is down. Very rarely do they uh, uh, they coincide uh, in terms of their success, uh, at least since the 1980s. And so it's uh, it's good, that the, from my perspective, that the Eels are up there. It's a shame that the Bulldogs aren't up there because I was hoping to have... Uh, Having to have that rivalry towards the end of that season, uh, you know, bring bring the crowds back because nothing beats an Eels Bulldogs finals game, as we know. Um, but yeah, look, uh, like I said, it's a uh, it's been big. It's been a big week. There's a lot to talk about, and uh, I would suggest Tish we just launch right into it. What do you say? Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. All right, so here we go with the six tackles and tackle number one. Here is the round eight wrap. All right. The first game, West, uh, sorry, Melbourne Storm, uh, twenty-seven over the Roosters, twenty-five. Uh, a uh, look, a pretty, a, a pretty high-quality match. I think it's fair, mm. it's fair to say. Um, you know, it was a uh, didn't get to golden point. Got close though. Oh no, sorry, it did. No, no, it did actually get, get to, a golden point. Yeah, did get to golden point. In fact. It, and and look, controversially, I would say it was won by a uh, a penalty goal by Cameron Smith in the 84th minute, and and the, the bit you know high quality match, but unfortunately, and I want to get your take on this, um, a brain explosion by Jake Friend, basically, uh, where <laughs> he he basically pushed over, I forget who the player was, but pushed him over in a tackle. It was about you know. 20 metres in front of uh, their own try line, the Roosters, and, you know, as easy as a penalty was given and, uh, you know, he knew immediately what had happened because once that penalty is given, it's game over. Easiest goal that uh, Cameron Smith would ever have to kick. And, uh, look, what was your thoughts on, on the game, first of all, and secondly, that particular moment, that brain explosion? Do you think it warranted a penalty or because I mean, having a look at it on the replay, it kind of looked like he didn't really push him that hard, and you know, it was—I don't know—it just it kind of looked. If I'm being f- a bit forgiving of uh, Jake, it kind of looked like he, uh, you know, it's—it was the usual amount of hustle and tussle that you would normally see when uh, when players, uh, you know, push and shove uh, players who are getting up off the ground. Uh, this time, though, the Melbourne player fell backwards. So, you know, I'm not at all suggesting that it was a, a dive by the Melbourne player, but it did kind of look a little bit worse than in the, than I initially thought. Um, so I guess the first question is, do you think it was a clear-as-day penalty? And if not, um, you know, what should have happened, <laughs> maybe? And, and what was your thoughts about the overall quality of the match? 
Okay, well, firstly, on the quality of the game, it was a great game. Um, obviously, uh, I've got to say, look, I've uh, kind of like a broken record here, but contender for the game of the year. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've kind of said it for the last few weeks because every, ga- every round has produced a pretty good, uh, a pretty special match. And this is actually one of probably three or four great matches this weekend. But this was a great match from start to finish. And um, the Storm and Roosters have a bit of a rivalry over the last few years. Obviously, they've been in the finals every so often. And then even when they've played, I think a few years ago, they had a 9-8 scoreline um, that was also a golden point game. Uh, I think that was in Adelaide, actually. Um, so to see these two teams um, really compete for just about every play for, for a whole 80 minutes um, kind of shows you what type of quality the NRL has. And, it, and to be honest, two teams that sometimes may not necessarily be um, known for their entertainment, well, you know, the Roosters are, are entertaining. Sometimes the Storm might lack a little bit, a bit more clinical. Um, I think with the new rule changes, both, you know, this game was kind of very exciting from start to finish. And uh, good to see uh, towards the end of the game, before Golden Point, uh, to see a couple of young players uh, step up. So firstly, we had Kyle Flanagan, um, you know, who basically, you know, when they when the Roosters got a penalty on the 78th minute and they're behind, um, you know, he decides, steps up to take the the um, the penalty goal uh, with two minutes to play. It's from the sideline and he kicks it, um, shows great confidence in his skill. Uh, so then, you know, locks the game up at 25 apiece. Um, no, sorry, that was 24 apiece. 24 then Luke apiece, Carey, yeah. yeah, Luke Carey one minute later. So another young half, um, you know, hasn't played Origin yet. People are, are thinking that he is in contention for State of Origin. You know, under pressure, about 35 to 40 metres out, I can't quite remember, kicks the field goal to, to put the Roosters in front with less than 30 seconds to go. Then suddenly, you know, the you know the storm take a risk, short kick off, get the ball back, and then Pevenhausen from a little bit further than uh, Luke Carey, not really known for a, a field goal specialist. Um, you know, if Munster would have been playing, he would have uh, probably taken it. But you know, Pevenhausen sort of pushes people out of the way to get the ball, kicks the field goal, twenty five piece. So great effort from um, some great young people, and then. <laughs> And then I suppose the game sort of goes into the Golden Port era and then you have Jake Friend, um, you know, uh, with a penalty. And look, probably if this was in regular time, I don't think they would have blown a penalty. Um, I think they probably would have called a six again. Um, but as you know, with the six again rule, one of the one of the caveats is that if, if the referee believes that the attacking team would prefer a penalty, uh, for a six again infringement, they can actually blow the penalty. And I think that's what happened in this case. And obviously, you know, the Storm would have loved the penalty and they got that penalty because they kicked the goal and wins them the game. So um, I think ultimately if Jake Friend had his time again, he wouldn't have done it. Um, I don't think he should have tried it because, I mean, to be fair, I know you're trying to win the game, but I think that it was just too risky and uh, in the end it cost them. And um, it was their captain as well. So, so. Pretty bad decision, but um, but look, I think a lot of the other teams, if you sat down and watched this game, I think it's almost like a playbook on how to beat both teams because I think both teams were able to expose each other's weaknesses a little bit. Um, you know, there was a couple of high balls that the Roosters dropped. Um, you know, the Storm 
with our monster. They did look a bit flat in, in attack. Um, so hopefully this is kind of becomes a bit of a, uh, a bit of a study guide uh, as to how, how to beat either of these two teams, which hopefully some of the other teams can actually learn off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So the next game, it was the Raiders versus the Dragons. It ended up 22 to 16 in the Raiders favor, but after they were ahead 22 nil at one point. So, so really this was another game of two halves, uh, you know, or half and a bit plus another bit, um, mm. where really the Raiders let the foot off the pedal and they shouldn't have because the Dragons were within striking distance with a few minutes to go. So, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have taken much for it to go on, have gone to extra time. But, uh, yeah. but you know, the Canberra Raiders did what they needed to do. I think this is just a case of potentially uh, I'm going to put it out there because I think we haven't really seen the best of Canberra this year. Um, yeah. And I wonder whether they've, they've lost a bit of that hunger, Tish. Yeah, I... I de- definitely agree, and I think they have. Uh, they had a great performance against Melbourne Storm straight after the COVID break, and I don't think they've come back to that same sort of form ever since then. I had a bit of wishy-washy form. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, I think Man of the Match had to go to the GI Stadium watch clock because if the game went for 85 minutes, if there was an extra five minutes, I think St. George would have actually overtaken the Raiders because uh, they came back strong. And I suppose good signs there for um, for Dragon supporters that their team uh, does have a bit of fight in them. They do have a bit of attack in them, and I think they're starting to gel a little better, which is nice to see. Uh, but yeah, but over over to the Raiders. I think the Raiders, the girl coming up against the Storm, I think they really need to have a big game this week to tr- you know try and get some of that, um, yeah, trying to get some of the support back. Uh, one notable thing, I think George Williams scored his first try in the NRL. Uh, so to g- good to see their English halfback um, get a try. I think he's been involved in plenty of try assists, and, he's, and I think he's been a good buy for the Raiders. And uh, hopefully, uh, this is the start of uh, many many great victories to come. All right, and the next match was the Eels doing it easily against the Cowboys, forty-two to four. And Tish, there's not much to say. They were, mm. you know, in front all the way pretty much. And uh, Sivo in particular with four amazing tries, uh, yeah. you know, doing well. But Tish, one little, uh, I guess, uh, you know, crack in in the armour of the Eels uh, that I've noticed that I wanted your opinion on. Uh, you know, Sivo, he's on four tries. They're winning 40-4 to four at this point. It's the 79th minute, you know, one minute to go. They get a penalty, you know, close to the try line. They decide to go for a penalty goal rather than, rather than go for uh, a possible fifth try to Sivo. What's the thinking there? And do you agree with me as an Eels fan that I am – do you agree with me that that was uh, absolutely a ludicrous decision by the captain who ended up taking that penalty goal, Clint Gutherson? Yes. Well, look, uh, look. Uh, just to put some, uh, yeah, look, a great victory by by uh, the Eels <laughs> to start with. 
Uh, but what Gutho, uh, I think he even said it in the commentary, uh, he's quite dirty that Mitchell Moses is the goal kicker. Uh, so uh, he decided <laughs> to take the penalty goal. I think he pretty much said that, you know, he wanted to be the goal kicker and he's just uh, letting Mitchell know that, uh, you know, that, you know, he can't be injured for too long or else, you know, he will take over that position. And uh, he kicks him. He kicked some really good uh, goals in this match, all from the sideline. Um, that's what happens when Sivo scores four tries. You got to kick him out from out wide. Uh, <laughs> but some, but but uh, look, I think Sivo, uh, you know, obviously he scored those tries. I think Jennings had a great try as well. Um, Wong Blake as well, probably on the other side as well, ha- had a really great try. So really good stuff from all their outside backs. And I think uh, Ferguson, even though some people were question marking some of his form. I think he probably played really well, really played his hand. And, you know, they've got a really good style of attack. Um, they get really well organised. And, um, you know, they kind of uh, all sort of play together, which is which is sort of fantastic, to the point where you've got your main playmaker out and you bring on a young kid on debut, Jay Field, and he could slot straight in there and um, not get overawed by the, uh, by the occasion or by the team. I think previous years when Parramatta have tried to debut a young halfback, you know, that would have capitulated. So this really shows how much of a growth um, and how great of a job Brad Arthur has done with Parramatta. The fact that they lose their main playmaker and they could slot a young kid who could just go in there and actually just be a part of the team. Um, great work by by basically the entire spine of Parramatta uh, to make sure that the you know the kid on debut doesn't actually. Uh, have that much to do, you know. I think Gutherson uh, had a couple of kicks, um, you know, sort of their uh, their dummy half as well. Sort of did also make a few kicks as well, which kind of helped as well. So to try to, uh, you know, Dylan Brown, sort of the major of the kicking. So they kind of uh, shared the load to try and ease this player in, and I think that was a a great point. And uh, look, the Cowboys, uh, you know, uh, yeah, still struggling, and I think that they. Uh, they're well off the pace and uh, not too sure if they're going to make it to the top eight this year. All right. And uh, a team that is uh, in the top eight right at this minute uh, with this uh, smashing win against the Titans was the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. And uh, 40 to 10, they won this one. So, look, not much to say there. I didn't really catch this game and the highlights were, mm. as expected, uh, some pretty poor defense from the Titans and. Some a bit of razzle dazzle from the Sharks. What were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And look, the Sharks. I think this is like their third or fourth win in a row. So um, turning around their season a little bit, which I think is fantastic to see, because obviously you know it's a great team. And look, unfortunate for the Titans, they kind of uh, came up. Uh, you know, I, I think I tipped them so because I thought they might have put two wins on the trot together, but they couldn't do that. So uh, disappointing once again. Hopefully they could. Uh, you know, hopefully they can, they can do better. And, um, you know, Sean Johnson back to his pretty good form. I did hear that Matt Moylan got hurt for this game. So um, I just wonder if, uh, yeah, if, if that's been going to be a bit of a setback for them moving forward. All right. And uh, the Warriors versus the Broncos. The Warriors winning this one 26 to 16. And look, uh, you know, the, the, the Broncos were ahead. At one point, they were. Uh, it was. I think it was sixteen to twelve, and then they just capitulated. Three 
tries, two of them in the last eight minutes to the Warriors, and they just basically handed the game to the Broncos. So the Broncos in a winning position, and they just fell apart. And really, that's the story of of the Broncos this year is, you know, they've got so much going for them, uh, and and yet uh, they, they're finding a way to, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and and really uh and really you know just lose the plot really so and and there was obviously a controversy at the end where you know so the broncos players were in tears with each other uh, you know crying and sort of uh, there was a um uh adam blair was uh hugging i think it was alex glenn at some point um you know in in, in a in what someone has ridiculously called a uh uh, uh, you know, uh, almost a modern day version of the great summons proven image from <laughs> like I don't know who suggested that on Twitter, but they should be cancelled, cancelled, cancelled because that is ridiculous. Not even close to the same ballpark of of an iconic image there. But uh, I get I get the emotion there, and we're going to talk a little bit about it in a minute anyway. But yeah, the Broncos uh, ahead and managed to find a way to lose. What was, how was it, what's your summary of uh, what's happening with the Broncos and the Warriors? Okay, well, um, I think, look, well done by the Warriors. Obviously, we know what uh, situation they're in and, uh, you know, they're able to produce at times and, uh, you know, grown on them. Uh, the Broncos, uh, you know, if you go back and watch the highlights, uh, you would have seen some of the most softest defense, uh, <laughs> like ever. Uh, really, really bad performance. Um, I don't understand what the yeah the whole emotion thing at the end was because from the highlights, from what I saw, they just didn't look like they were even in it. Um, so look, six straight losses. Uh, things get bad, worse, and uh, yeah, uh, Parramatta are enjoying their footy. Brisbane are definitely not, and. Um, yeah, don't know, but I believe something will have to be done uh, pretty soon uh, to save the Broncos. All right, and the Tigers and the Panthers, a battle of the big cats out west, uh, was won by the Penrith Panthers, 19 points to 12. Uh, and, and really, this again is... Uh, you know, a case of the Panthers being the comeback kings and the Tigers uh, being able to only play 40 minutes, <laughs> basically, because the Tigers <laughs> were ahead 12-6 at mm. halftime and just found a way to lose this match. Didn't put any – well, sorry, they, were, they weren't they were 12 It was 10-6 at, yeah. uh, at, at, at halftime. And – they only really put on a penalty goal uh, midway through the second half, and that's it. They weren't able to score any more tries. Didn't even look like uh, coming close, to be honest. And uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts? Being a Tigers fan, and of course, uh, did you did you head out to the game? Uh, no, we we were planning to, but uh, with uh, with COVID at the moment, um, uh, with the social distancing. You do have to be a member, and there is a bit of a lottery that goes, so it's a bit of a process. Um, so, yeah, so we were unfortunately not able to go to this game. Hopefully we get eligibility to go to the next game, which is on in a few weeks, which is a Panthers home game, so hopefully we might be able to see that. Um, but, look, overall in the game, uh, obviously uh, it was 
uh, yeah, it was disappointing for me um, uh, as well. And just the, look, there was lots of emotion in this game. Obviously, you know, uh, the whole Ivan Cleary leaving the Tigers thing has been there. And then, um, you know, uh, you know uh, sort of the young Lalua, uh, Luciano, getting injured, uh, which basically uh, set off his brother. And then his brother, then uh, blatant penalty, 76 minutes, to give the uh, you know to give the goal to the to the um, you know to uh, the Panthers and the Panthers then scoring a try straight after that and then obviously right in the last minute uh, you know being sent off as well um, by uh, BJ so it's a really really bad uh, really bad form from him but look I think the Tigers look uh, you know a lot of Tigers fans and I will probably all thought we played well um, and. You know, it was a good performance from us. The problem is that if the Tigers are serious about making the top eight this year, we have to be able to win the close ones uh, like this one. This is probably the second game that we've had that's gone close this year and um, and the other game was the Titans and we couldn't put that team away. So there is something about like the Melbourne Storms of the world, um, you know, the Parramatta's of the world as well, like, you know, where, you know, even if the if you um, you know you play well and you actually win the close ones and that's the difference between a good side and a bad side and Penrith uh, they're second on the ladder for a reason and um, and the reason is because of their consistent form and, and their ability to win the close ones and uh, that's something that the Tigers do need to learn. All right, and speaking of close ones, the Newcastle Knights defeating oh. Manly. Yeah, 14 points to 12 in a very controversial match. Uh, and, <laughs> and look, really, uh, what what were your thoughts on this match, Tish? Oh, look, a great game. Um, obviously, like, you know, with the very uh, close scoreline. I think in the second half there weren't any tries, actually. or No, there was one try, sorry, in the second half. Uh, Two manly, and they came back right at the end. Um Without Trevojevic, they looked like a little handicapped when it came to attack. And even though they had so much possession, it, you know, the Seagulls couldn't really get the job done. Uh, and then right at the last minute, obviously, that push, and I do think it was a push, uh, which the uh, video referee has definitely missed. So, um, and that sort of probably denied Mel, uh, sorry, Manly the chance to, to you know, to try and tie up the game and set it into Golden Point. Um, on the other side, the Newcastle Knights, look, they had patches of brilliance throughout the game. Uh, their full pack did really well. Um, probably they just need to work out their combinations with Pierce and Ponga and, and uh, you know, Kurt Mann and a few fewer other of their playmakers a little bit because they're a little clunky in attack as well, uh, even though, uh, unlike, you know, unlike Manly, they've got their full squad. And, um, yeah, I think, I think overall, I think Newcastle are going to be a top team in Manly. Look, a bit disappointing. And then, obviously, Adam Fenuel, Blake, right at the end, uh, verbally abusing the referee. Uh, so getting sent off after the whistle had blown. So a bit controversial there. But, look, um, yeah, well done to the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, and, look, I think uh, – look, I wonder if it's uh, if it's time for the Knights to kind of step up a little bit and maybe bring mm. Ponga into 5-8th. Uh, I think maybe uh, they need to consider – I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if, if Ponga needs to be brought in a bit closer to the action because I think you're right. They need a bit of 
gel in there in the middle and and some spark the like i said it's uh it's the old uh you know the x factor and the organizer and mitchell pierce is not an x factor whereas whereas ponga is so i think yeah they should consider that but anyway uh look finally the rabbitos versus the bulldogs uh i believe this would have been no this wouldn't have been the the traditional good friday clash but uh South Sydney Rabbitohs, 26 over Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs, 10. Uh, not surprising this result there. The Bulldogs go from bad to worse. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they are still – are they clearly down the bottom? They are clearly down the bottom of the ladder. Uh, and and it's unfortunate. And, and probably it will be a while away before they'll get their first uh, – their next win. Uh because I don't think the Rabbitohs played exceptional football, but managed to do it easily. What are your thoughts, Tish? Yeah, look, um, yeah, I uh, totally <laughs> agree. If probably if they were playing any other team apart from Brisbane, uh, <laughs> you know the uh, you know the Rabbitohs would have lost that game. And good news for the Bulldogs, I actually playing Brisbane this week, um, so a great opportunity for them to not be the wooden spooners at the end of this. Uh, at the end of uh, round nine, so. Well, they can hope, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to tackle number two. Here we go. All right, emotions boiling over in the 2020 pressure cooker. There is the... Uh, uh, you know, no no reference at all to the MasterChef pressure cooker, of course, but... <laughs> Tish, it's been quite an emotional roller coaster for a lot of players with what's been going on, a lot of people in the world in general, and I guess the emotions are starting to get uh, get the better of a few players and teams. Run us through, if you can, what's uh, what happened this weekend with all the emotions. Okay, yeah. Well, look, the NRL, it's a, it is a bit of a pressure cooker at the moment. I believe uh, the term is Amangada hijack. Uh which uh, refers to personal emotion responses that is immediate, uh, overwhelming and out of measure with the actual stimulus because it has triggered a much more significant emotional threat. What's that, what that, that word again, mean? mate? What was that word again? Is, is it, is it amygdala hijack? Is that it's amygdala, amygdala. Amygdala hijack. So it's a, it's a part of the brain. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional, like the, the emotional part of the brain. So it's basically saying that uh, people are getting a bit triggered by <laughs> by uh, by things that are happening and getting super emotional and triggered very uh, rapidly by yeah by our brain system which is has been evolved in that way to kind of react to threats so I guess people are starting to see threats everywhere yeah so I think commonly known as fight or flight right mode yeah pretty much yeah yeah. Uh, but but what does that all have to do with rugby league? Well, we saw a couple of incidences this weekend. Uh, firstly, with Vanilla Blake, um, you know, who was sent off for dissent at full time, um, you know, after their defeat to Newcastle. Uh, obviously, he said some things that uh, to the referee. And later on that afternoon, when he came to his senses, he he apologised. Uh, you know, you know, to the referee, he actually sought permission to. Personally, apologise as well. But I think he put something up on social media as well. And then also we had the incident with Lalua, uh, where basically um, you know he's he's got a four month ban, a four week ban now uh, for you know head highing a player that was nowhere near the ball. Uh, 
um, all because of what he's, you know, uh, you know, the injustice he saw, thought that he had his brothers uh, do, uh, thought that he had, um, sorry, his brother. Um, and then, look, last week, uh, I don't know if you saw this as well, Corey Hosborough, he was, uh, as he was uh, getting, um, you know, he was coming off injured and he was uh, sort of, uh, you know, finger gesturing out to the Eel supporters, uh, you know, and then uh, Corey Oates a couple of weeks ago as well, he was charged with abusive comments towards a match official. Uh, we had that footage where Latrell Mitchell broke into tears, you know, in the dressing room after a defeat uh, in round six. Uh, even Ivan Cleary, the coaches are not immune uh, to the flight or flight mode. Uh, you know, uh, Ivan Cleary, I think he was, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, you know, gesturing uh, to fans who were abusing, West Tigers fans who were abusing him for leaving their club. And I think uh, I think he was actually uh, I think it was actually uh, to a twelve year old kid or well, something like that, some ridiculous story like that. Um, oh, yeah. So look, the pressure is on in the NRL, and I just wonder, you know, uh, you know, is the pressure getting too much for some of these NRL players? What can the NRL do to try and uh, you know coach these players through this situation? You know, at the moment, you know, everything is in shutdown, lockdown. Uh, you know, obviously what we've heard in Melbourne is a, a bit tragic, but, you know, it shouldn't really affect any of the NRL players. Uh, but on top of that, you know, uh, not just that, obviously it's a shortened season. Every week, every game is very important. You know, if you lose two games in a row, you're basically sinking right to the bottom of the ladder. Um, yeah, so the pressure is on from that point of view. Obviously injuries are there. Obviously they're training hard. Probably you know, a lot of um, players probably missing their families. Uh, you know, the Bulldogs went into lockdown. The Warriors haven't seen their uh, families for eight weeks. How do we, how does, how does the NRL player in 2020 handle all of this, Dr. T? Can you give us some coping mechanisms that they could implement? Do I hear serenity now? Wow. It's a, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, look, uh, yeah. What, how do they deal with this? Well, you know, this is a problem is that they that traditionally NRL players haven't been very good at dealing with the pressure cooker environment of uh, you know of the NRL and and usually what happens is that that leads to off-field incidents uh, you know we're talking about you know a lot of drinking binges and you know violence and you know all sorts of crazy things that happen and just people getting into mischief. This time we're talking about emotions boiling over on the field, which, if you think about it, that's a bit of a step up. <laughs> so at least, at least we're getting uh, we're getting them, you know, to to put themselves on the line out there, uh, you know, on the field, as opposed to taking things out on on the unsuspecting public or on their mates, you know, off the field, which I think, so I think, first of all, it, I think if we put it into perspective, it's an improvement on what on what we're used to seeing from players. I'm not obviously very happy in seeing things like, you know, p- players, uh, there's been a bit of dissent here and there and, and a, a whole bunch of other kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, well, it usually it usually comes from you know high tackles and things, and and that's brain explosions. But to be honest, if we're talking about BJ Lalua having a brain explosion, isn't that like a regular occurrence? Uh, 
<laughs> that, that that we talk <laughs> about. So that is that a very unusual thing? Probably not. So really, I think what we're seeing is there's a few players that are getting a bit frustrated and only really a few, uh, and, and sometimes they're lashing out at the crowd and sometimes they're lashing out at at the referee, and, and thankfully there's not that many examples. But then you've got the Brisbane Broncos example, which we're going to talk about next, which is, uh, you know, players not really, you know, the, the, the media perception being that they're not really putting in, uh, that the, the, there's turmoil uh, surrounding the club, and and the way that they reacted is in an emotional way, and I think I think what they need to do is uh, is uh, well look. I know that NRL has cut a lot of head office jobs, but I think what they really need is to get a well being officer uh, mm-hmm. out there to actually come up with. And I'm I'm serious about this, Tish. I think they need someone who is actually uh, looking at what clubs are doing to look after the mental health of players. Um, The the danger is that in wanting to cut head office jobs, you tend to cut the jobs that you think are not necessary or that are superfluous. Maybe things like, you know, um, things to do with uh, physical health of players, you keep them in, but mental health may be not seen as as high in importance. Uh, maybe some cultural related jobs are are under under fire or or the tightening of the belt uh, is more in those types of programs but i really do think the nrl needs to think carefully because i think as you said there is definitely a pattern occurring that the nrl needs to stop and so look you know i could sit here and say you know you've got to do you get someone who can teach them some yoga and breathing and and mindfulness and all this sort of stuff but the reality is that in the pressure of a game, you can't expect players to get all zen when they're supposed to be testosterone charged and uh, putting all that aggression out into into tackling and or playing the game the way it should be played. So, you know, it's uh, you need to get the people who are the high-performance sort of coaches, um, the high-performance uh, practitioners there, and, and get them to understand that, uh, you know, there, that there are other aspects of these players that need to be attended to as well in terms of their mental health and well-being. So, uh, look, I don't have any answers for you, but I do think that the NRL needs to consider having a game-wide approach to this because I think if you leave it just to the clubs, it's, uh, it's not really going to address the core issue, which is the fact that, look, we're still in a pandemic mode at the moment, and in many cases we've got, uh, you know, players who, uh, you know, if, have to stay, spend a, a significant amount of time away from their families uh, in a difficult situation. So, yeah, um, does that answer your question, Tish? Yeah, it does, it does. And look, um, the article about the pressure is actually on the NRL website, and Actually, quote a few different um, sports psychologists. Uh, I think Kurt Wrigley. Uh, there is, I think, a Dr. Mantle there as well, and um, there is another. Um, I think it's Shane Duncan as well uh, that they quote uh, about you know what's going on and what some of the measures they could do. Uh, but look, the interesting thing, if you actually go through the article, is that uh, you kind of realise that the mental health sort of aspect of the players' well-being, you know, it's kind of managed by at the at the club level, 
And um, I think what you kind of said, Dr. T, kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe there should be somebody at the head office of the NRL overseeing uh, that as well because, you know, when the decisions are being made of, you know, how many rounds, how many seasons, who plays who, how people are sort of going to handle, you know, the clubs aren't part of those decision make uh, decisions. And obviously, you know, uh, that is where probably a lot of the stress uh, probably initiates is probably at the head office, not necessarily at once the clubs have and what the clubs have power over. You know, the decisions the clubs probably make are always going to be in the best well-being of the players anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, for the most part. So I think the NRL probably should needs to at least have some sort of – I mean, if they don't have somebody in the house, at least have consultants on hand to actually talk about how they can set up a competition in a way um, that uh, sort of uh, protects the players in a way. Um, having said that, obviously, look um, – you know, we kind of know that, yeah, this is what happens when uh, players boil over and we don't want to create that environment for them to do that. Um, I think, uh, you know, there is a responsibility with players themselves as well, uh, just from their own life experience to be able to handle pressure situations better. Um, and I think the NRL, that comes down to education once again, right? The NRL needs to probably help some of the younger players as they're coming through be a bit more, uh, you know, give them some some tools that they could use to try and be a bit more um, emotionally stable. And you know, all the great, uh, all the great players, um, you know, the immortals and all the sort of hall of famers. If you actually look at the way they play, a lot of them, uh, they they enjoy uh, being under pressure and they enjoy the big moments. And I think, um, you know, for some of these other players, that's probably why their team. Uh, you know, that could be part of the reason why the team doesn't, you know, get those big wins or get those close wins because they don't uh, have, you know, they're not calm in high-pressure situations, which is what I think you need to be to be an elite player anyway. So, look, this is kind of a, a can of worms. You, we could talk about this forever, I think, because there's so many different aspects to this. Um, but, look, that, that's, you know, the, the, the pressure cooker situation uh I think the NRL can do more to try and, um, you know, sort of stem the flow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number three. Here we go. And this is about Broncos Crocodile Tears. And look, rugby league legend Laurie Daly has questioned whether senior Broncos pictured crying after their sixth straight loss were delivering crocodile tears for the camera. And I'm talking, there was, I told you, I mentioned before, skipper Alex Glenn, uh, that example of uh, the tearful Alex Glenn hugging or being hugged by Adam Blair, uh, you know, and and a few other players as well were seen in tears at full time uh, of uh, of that game against the Warriors where they capitulated quite uh, quite spectacularly in the second half. and look, this has obviously come a week after players were heavily criticised for laughing and joking around with Titans players when they suffered a massive loss to them as well. So in this article, uh, rugby league legend Laurie Daly does indicate that, you know, he, he does sort of question uh, why all of a sudden the Broncos players are getting all emotional after 
really he's sort of saying, look, it doesn't make sense to me that players would get that emotional and start crying after they they've uh, they've lost a certain number of games. He, he said you can understand why in a uh, in a in a grand final or in a in a you know when the season's on the line and you lose that that kind of a match that the emotions start coming out. But he didn't for him. It, it, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing massively here. He seems to think that it doesn't make sense to him that players would be in tears, and he's wondering whether whether some of them are putting it on a bit. And look, it's a bit of a look under normal circumstances. <laughs> that would be a hugely controversial, game-changing type comment um, from a former, you know, former legend. Uh, of the game, and uh, in this environment, though, with all the things that are happening, it's kind of gone under the radar. It hasn't really, <laughs> it hasn't really got the the high level press that you would expect. But Tish, he does raise an interesting point. A lot of people are questioning uh, how it is that that the Broncos, one week after being slammed in the media for mucking around and joking around all of a sudden they they've put their hearts on the line and they and they're emotional uh you know even if you kind of did account for the fact that potentially it was they, they were emotional because they just let a, a win uh slip through the their, their slippery fingers um even then uh it's pretty hard to fathom that uh that, that players will get that emotional but given what we just spoke about and the pressure cooker situation potentially, this is part of that pattern of uh, heightened emotions being brought about by the world events, etc. And and in this environment, maybe maybe it does make sense that Laurie Daly can't make sense of it because it it isn't sensible. <laughs> it's not something that can be made sense of. Tish, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you agree with his accusation? And uh, that that this these are potentially crocodile tears from the Broncos. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, a great question because it is it's hard to really know, right? Because like uh, a week ago they were laughing, and I think uh, on the article it does actually show photos of like the same players that were laughing one week with Titans players um, who have a rivalry between them and. Uh, you know, you'd think you'd get really upset with uh, losing to the Titans versus losing to the Warriors. Um, and then, and now this week sort of crying, it is a bit of a, a complete shift in the way the emotions are sort of running. Um, but then, uh, and then, and then the other thing, interesting thing is obviously the Warriors are in, I mean, as look, the Brisbane are in a high pressure situation uh, they're sort of getting blasted in the media week in, uh, week out, day in, day out, really. Uh, you know, there's so much writing on them. The fans are starting to boo them. You know, it really is not a bad, not a good situation for Brisbane at the moment. Uh, but look, I think the Warriors are in an even worse situation, obviously missing their family and so forth. Um, so if anything, you probably would have expected the Warriors to a bit react a little bit like that. Um, you know, but it was Brisbane instead. So, yeah, very, very... Uh, I don't know if they're crocodile tears or not. What I will say is that, um, you know, I have uh, been uh, to the cinema and uh, I've watched some ridiculous movies and uh, sometimes I just can't hold back the tears, Dr. T. They just come out 
in some of the most craziest uh, moments as well for some reason. And uh, I don't know if that's something you could fake. Yeah. Um... Like I'm talking about that scene in Cool Runnings where they, uh, you know, where their balsa breaks and they walk Don't across get... the finish line, Dr. T. Don't get me started. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not crying about that. I'm just thinking about the uh, the uh, 2009 Grand Final um, oh. with the the Eels. They they, just, they, boy, right? they, blew, they right? blew they blew their chance. They blew it. They blew it against the storm. Uh, look, not 89 no. again, please, Doctor. Anyway, no, not 89. No, 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 I will not get you started on 89, my friend. Uh, no, no, no. Look. Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. And and I think I really doubt that the uh, – I think that – look, if anything, the Laurie Daly uh, has uh, has really given a, a great rap to the acting ability of NRL players. And uh, who knows? I mean, maybe he's he's thinking of the, the minimalist acting of uh, Darius Boyd in his <laughs> uh, interviews in the past. Maybe he's – Maybe he's thinking that Darius Boyd has uh, passed on some acting thespian lessons to his uh, fellow Broncos brethren. I'm not sure. I really doubt it. I do think that there was genuine emotions there, to be honest, Tish. And I think, yeah. I think, I think what it says, if anything, is that Laurie Daly uh, isn't really reading the room at the moment, <laughs> and and the room is that uh, seems to be uh, telling us that. There's a lot of emotions, uh, very high emotions with a lot of players at the moment, uh, especially with all the things we just outlined a minute ago. And, and I think yeah. um, I just wonder whether, you know, whether this is a, a an ongoing thing or whether we're going to see some possible realignment and recalibration of people's emotions. But look... At this moment, yeah. we are staring down the barrel of a, in Australia at least, uh, unfortunately those of you listening to us internationally will have different situations in your home country, but in Australia at the moment, we, uh, we're just about to hit that second wave, that predicted yeah. second wave of the COVID-19 crisis, and it's hitting Victoria at the moment, the state of Victoria where the Melbourne Storm are from, but um, no doubt we're... we're we kind of bracing for potential fallout elsewhere in Australia. And so this kind of heightened emotion, this radical changes that we're going through, no doubt is playing with a few people's minds. And the, if anything, what, what we do know about players at this level uh, is that, you know, a lot of these players, they, they get very superstitious and habit habits are really important. You know, we I remember so many stories of these of the greats of the past having having uh, you know particular rituals and things that they go through to get revved up for a game. Uh, you know, whether it's the Tommy Redonicus slapping of faces or you know Ray Ray Price uh, getting you know uh, tons of uh, ice packs put all over his body. <laughs> you know, like you know, um, mm. all, all that kind of weird stuff that that people do to get revved up for games and physically and mentally prepared. In this environment, you can just throw all those rituals and things out the window because it's a totally new ball game. Life is so different for so many people, and just when we started to go back to normal with restrictions easing, now we might be forced to go back into yeah, some measure of lockdown again and that is if anything that's just going to play with people's minds a bit more so i 
I would say um, get ready for a lot more emotion in amongst some of these players who are very young, uh, you know, driven by their hormones and testosterone, etc. And then you've got some of a subset of those players that are also having to play the role of parent um, to the to little kids at home. And so put all that together, mix it up, and you've got a uh, uh, some very difficult emotions to interpret. Uh, and so I think that's what you're seeing here. But look, um, that's my view on it. Let's uh, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. So here we are, tackle number four. All right, so post-try celebrations are going to return for Men of League. So the Men of League Foundation is set to benefit from the Try July initiative with Sportsbet to donate $5,000 for every on-field post-try celebration in July. The charity, which provides support to players, administrators, referees and volunteers, is in particular need in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic due to the extra financial hardship it has created, plus the inability to hold regular fundraising events. So, Tish, uh, I wanted to just raise this discussion of, uh, you know, look, we've only we're only one week into this, um, uh, into July. We uh, we haven't really seen many good ones. Uh, but what I wanted to put to you is, if you were in charge of a an NRL team, and uh, and you had an idea for a post try celebration. Uh, that would uh, of an of epic proportions. What would you do? What kinds of uh, you know? What kind of scene would you set with a your your team's post try celebrations? Well, look. The good thing is uh, when it comes to um, celebrations, um, there is a, a lot of material now uh, in the internet world uh, for us to sort of uh, look at. So I think probably, uh, you know, the bottle challenge has been something that a lot of people have been doing. Um, so maybe they could do it with the rugby league bottle, something like that. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that could be fantastic. Of course, you could do, uh, you know, you could do, uh, you know, just different things with the ball as well, you know, a bit of a ball hula hoop or something like that. Uh, but I think ultimately if you're really looking for a great uh, sort of try celebration Nothing goes past the famous Pasta Gordon from the Strictly Ballroom. You know the the, drag, oh, uh, the, yes. the dance the, from the Strictly Ballroom. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You know something like that. The tango, something, something Latin inspired. Uh, you know, a bit of dancing with the stars type flag. We, we had Bay Ryan there, so maybe something like that. You know, would be would be. Phenomenal. Um, maybe a bit of river dance from Michael Flatley. Uh, that could be quite exciting to see thirteen players do that at the as a post try celebration. A river, a river dance. <laughs> <laughs> a lord of the dance. <laughs> a lord of the dance. I think that's where it's at. Uh, I think that's what twenty twenty um, try celebrations for uh, try July should celebrate. <laughs> I honestly did not expect you to say that. <laughs> Some really good ideas there. Tish, I've, I've got a couple of ideas of, um, of my own. Uh, and I think I think what I want to hear, what I want to see is a bit of an homage to, to the... Uh, the uh, some other behaviours that people are, are doing at the moment, uh, given the COVID crisis. So 
you know, as you know, Tish, uh, people have been uh, getting through their Netflix and uh, other binge watching, sort of uh, given all the time that they've spent at home, etc. So I think what needs to happen is we need to see a couple of tri celebrations that uh, that refer to some of the great uh, series that people have been binge watching. So here's one idea: uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. I want to see some players uh, mimicking that famous uh, Jordan slam dunk. Uh-huh. I want to see someone do the slam dunk over a crossbar. What do you reckon? Wow, yeah, I like that. That sounds awesome. There's one. Uh, another one is, of course, uh, the famous Tiger King. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how they're going to turn this into into a, a PG-rated or a G-rated kind of, uh, you know, post-try celebration, but... What I'm thinking is that you've got some players pretending to be tigers, and yes. uh, and 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 then one 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 player comes in and uh, and potentially one player who has a mullet. So I don't know how many <laughs> players you need to play with a mullet, and they need to actually make it blonde for the match. Otherwise, the visuals uh, will not work, in my opinion. So I think they need to really get a, a blonde mullet player. Uh, out there and um, uh, going around and taming taming some of the the tigers with a bit of a whip or something, you know, just to get into yeah. the tiger king. That's that's one one thing. Uh, but look, the other thing that's happened is um, I think is a lot of people have been uh, those lucky enough still to have a job have been doing remote working via via Zoom. Uh, there's been a lot of Zoom meetings. Zoom Zoom seems to be the new catchphrase of the year zoom meetings you know all that kind of stuff so what i'm thinking that they should do is i want to see uh if you can imagine uh you know three players uh kneeling down three players standing just uh behind them and three players above them and uh and they could all kind of stick their heads together so it looks like they're all on uh, on zoom you know, if you can imagine, like the Brady Bunch, you know how the Brady Bunch had that, that split kind of scream where you got three three people and then three above them and three above them? That's what yes. I want to see. I want to see someone doing a Zoom meeting recreation. I think that would be uh, an ultimate homage to the remote working world that we now live in. What do you reckon, Tish, like about it. those ideas? Like them? I like it. I think that's fantastic. You know, look, and I think the NRL should allow, you know, props uh, in this uh, try <laughs> to try and make these things happen, you know, because because <laughs> ultimately you need, you need props um, to try and do it. You know, like, you, you know, you can't really do try celebrations. I mean, the photo boost is such a popular thing at parties these days. When, oh, sorry, not these days, back in the days when we were allowed to have parties. Uh, and, uh, you know, they always have props, you know, different hats and masks. And, uh, you know, I think unicorns are quite popular, probably approaches a different demographic as well. Um, you know, so maybe we can get some, uh, maybe take the, uh, you know, they don't really do witches' hats anymore, uh, but, you know, that kind of thing, uh, you know, to try and make a bit of a, bit of a, uh, you know, a kind of a, a way. So I think I think some of the ideas are just flying. And, look, unfortunately, I don't think I saw any tri-celebrations 
apart from like hands in the air or like, you know, uh, lock me up and put me into prison thing that they kind of do, you know, with the arms crossed or whatever. Um, So I'm not sure what they should come up with, but look, I think some of the ideas that you had, look, I think anything that um, does Tiger King, I think would work. And I've noticed that a lot of NRL players do have the blonde hairdos going at the moment. Mm. Uh, You know, Kick Owl, I think has probably got that inspiration from from the Tiger King because uh, yeah his his hairdo is, is very uh, you know very Tiger King esque so uh, so maybe that's where maybe that's where we need to sort of see it so uh, look some great ideas and look let's hope that the uh, NRL players get behind it and um, you know maybe we might be able to see this uh, you know sort of because uh, they they are showing footage of people celebrating at home when somebody scores a try. Maybe maybe they can carry on to people at home as well. Maybe they can give a prize for the best try celebrations by a fan as well. What a great idea! That's a great idea. Uh, yeah. All right. So, well done. Uh, and let's go to tackle number five. All right. So, a historic uh, broadcast partnership for the twenty twenty one Rugby League World Cup. Tish, what has been announced this week? Okay, yes. So, look, uh, let's not forget next year, it's the Rugby League World Cup 2021 going head-to-head with the Olympics, and uh, I'm sure this will be the global event uh, to watch for in sport next year. Uh, But, look, they've announced a collaboration with the International Rugby League, which will see both organisations working together on the broadcast production of all the matches in the tournament. Um, that will actually coincide with the existing agreement that that is with the BBC, um, and basically this, you know, these three organisations will come together to actually produce um, all 61 matches of the Rugby League World Cup, including the men's, women's, and wheelchair tournaments for next year. Um, uh, every minute of every one of the 61 games will be live on various platforms. That's basically what they've come together. And, um, you know, they're touting it as going to be the – our offer to world broadcasters will be the most flexible and accessible uh, for, you know, World Cup ever. So uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a streaming experience, uh, you know, with OTT platforms, uh, with broadcasters in different countries to be able to show every game, every minute of every game live. Uh, you know, setting it out from from England, which is where this World Cup will be played across the world. And uh, basically all TV broadcasters would have to do is just basically purchase the rights and they will get all that footage that they'll be able to share on their content. So really big news because I think with broadcasting for rugby league World Cups in the past, you know, it's been like last minute sort of decisions to try and get the partners on board, but I think it's good to see that um, the World Cup itself, along with the International Rugby League and the BBC, are actually, you know, one year out from this tournament already uh, talking about the uh, television broadcast deals and partnerships. So, Dr. T, what do you think of this news and what do you think of um, what uh, the Rugby League World Cup can do to try and make this best experience for not just the broadcaster but also the fan? Yeah, look, uh, look, I'm starting to get really pumped about this World Cup, Tish, because 
it's not just what's happening off the field and the professional professionalism and the preparation that's gone into it, the 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 pomp and ceremony that went into the the announcement of the groups and and the the seeding of the groups, etc. The fact that we've got men's, women's, and wheelchair tournaments all in the one year kind of thing. It's it's or you know, it's it's all coming together as a really well organized event. And not only that, but as you know, on the field, we've got a potential, uh, you know, some potential boil over and, 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 you know, in terms of the uh, Tonga being uh, a challenger, a genuine challenger for the crown now, uh, given given their win last year against uh, the, uh, sorry, was it last, no, earlier this year, was it, uh, against the, uh, uh, the uh, against the kangaroos. So I think it was late sorry, last year. I thought it was late last, last year. year. That's right. Yeah, and and so really, it's just it's just getting really excited, exciting at the moment to see what potentially could occur. And look, in terms of the uh, the broadcast partnership providing greater accessibility to the games, etc. I think that's kind of scratching the surface at the moment, and I think it's good that they're trying to be uh, flexible and accessible. I think these are great uh, objectives to be had and to be to aim for, and I think the way that they need to go forward is really think about, in my view, take a look at what Tonga has done to bring their fans on board in the last few years, uh, and to and 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 how that fan base has that passionate fan base has grown so rapidly and has also then fed directly into the success of the the team itself and so i think there's a a, there's something to be gained from looking at what they have done to bring the fans on board uh to 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 really build that kind of tribal feeling uh Really, and one way to do that is to really get the players to be as accessible as you can get them to be. You know, get them to be involved in the promotion of the game, and and not be, um, you know, not be cocooned away uh, in hotel rooms, etc. Get them out there talking to fans, converting non-rugby league fans to rugby league. You know going to schools, going to, you know, this is what they need to do beyond just uh, the broadcasting of the games themselves. So that's my view. Tish, what about yours? Is there anything else that you think that that they, they could be doing to, you know, improve the game, uh, the, the, uh, the promotion, I should say, of the World Cup? Yeah. Well, look, I, I totally agree with yourself there, Dr. Uh, Dr. Tim, because, look, I think um, – this is a great campaign for sort of the, um, I suppose, the mass marketing approach, the traditional format approach. But you also need to have a bit of a grassroots campaign, um, which is where you're talking about the different schools and the different cultures and getting the different cultures involved. And, you know, I've met a lot of people from, um, you yeah, sort of uh, Samoan uh, backgrounds when Samoa plays, they, um, you know, there's different dance organisations and things like that that they're associated with. They're not really rugby league fans, but then, you know, because, um, you know, they're providing some sort of entertainment, you know, the whole family will go and watch, you know, their kids sort of do the entertainment beforehand or 
you know, being involved in sort of the harker and some of the, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think that's a, actually a really good way to have the community engagement. And then obviously the players interacting with the uh, community is very important. Um, so I think that is actually a, a quite, uh, yeah, and quite an important step. Obviously, social media is another part. You know, where it comes down to that, my whole thing is like if you look at, for instance, if you look at golf and you look at Tiger Woods, you know, golf became more popular when we had a superstar in Tiger Woods playing the sport. Um, you know, similar sort of aspect to Michael Jordan in the NBA. You know, it grabbed a global appeal because you had one fantastic player that everybody seemed to know. And I think that's what rugby league needs to go out and find. It needs to find that. Uh, you know, absolute superstar of a player that will grow the game internationally. That's that's essentially what we're searching for, and we need to be able to find somebody that can that can be that cross culture type person. Um, look, in other rugby league news, I, uh, I kind of uh, you know you t- you mentioned Tonga, and that I should brought up because Tonga was actually uh, kicked out of the uh, IRL uh, earlier this year uh, because of all the issues they've had on the board. Uh, but I believe that they've actually um, shown an expression of interest to get back into rugby league. So in the next World Cup, hopefully there will be not an invitational Tongan team, but an actual team uh, for Tonga representing Tonga, which I think will be fantastic. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, let's get on to our final tackle, the round nine tips. Here we go with tackle number six. All right, so last round, uh, I got five, you got three, bringing me to 30.5, and you're at 27.5. But who's counting? Let's go to our quick-fire tips for round nine. Cowboys versus Roosters. I think the Roosters will easily win this one. Uh, yes, Roosters, you can't tip the Cowboys in this one, no way. Uh, Titans, Warriors. Uh, look, I think the Titans, uh, sorry, the Warriors will win this one. Yeah, look, I'm tipping the Titans because um, I tipped them last with their loss, so I'm thinking this week they'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rabbitohs and Tigers. Uh, I think the Tigers will win this one. Yeah, look, so do I. It's a must-win game for the Tigers because they've got a really bad run coming up and they really need to win this game. So Tigers for me. Sharks versus Panthers. Uh, you know, Sharks are coming... Uh, Eighth or seventh at the moment, and uh, sort of uh, sneaking in there. But really, I think the Panthers are going to win this one. They're uh, they're in that upper echelon this year, I think. Yeah, look, I am going to tip a bit of an option. I'm going to tip Cronulla in this one. This is a day game, and I think for the last few weeks, Cronulla, uh, so Panthers have been playing at night, and uh, Cronulla have had some form. So I think they uh, they will they will actually win this game. I think it's a home game for them as well. All right, uh, Broncos versus Bulldogs, a battle for the bottom. <laughs> I'm tipping the Bulldogs to win this one. Oh, this is a tough one. Um, so I am going to tip uh, – you know what? I'm going to tip the Broncos. It is in Brisbane, so, uh, yeah, bad luck to the Bulldogs. <laughs> we'll see if the emotions get the better of them, eh? Um, yeah. All right, the Raiders versus the Storm. I think, uh, look, despite the fact that they look like they've got, you know, both teams are, are kind of down a bit from last year, but I think the Storm and Roosters game will probably take it a little bit out of the Storm, and I think the Raiders will win that one. Yeah, I think because it's at GIO Stadium, 
I'm going to tip the Raiders as well. All right. Eels versus Knights. Uh, Eels for mine. Yeah, I am with you as well. I think the Eels will win this game, but it'll be closer than what we uh, than some people are thinking. All right, Dragons versus the Sea Eagles. Uh, look, despite the fact that they've lost and they seem to have lost the plot since losing Tommy Turbo, uh, the Sea Eagles, I think, will win this one against the Dragons. Okay, I'm tipping off. So I think the Dragons have shown some good form lately, and uh, it's at their home ground. So I think the Dragons will pull off an upset against the Sea Eagles. All right, and that wraps up our round nine tips and that wraps up our podcast thank you very much tish and everyone for listening don't forget you can catch us uh on facebook on twitter and if you're at itunes please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review or post some comments and check us out on our website ourrepublic.com or you can send us an email at ourrepublic at gmail.com if you have any feedback or any suggestions for what you want to hear from us next time around but anyway that's all from us and Tish, over to you to sign us out. Well, thank you, Dr. Tan. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>